Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Claire Zauke, our Healthcare Director here at Citizen Action, is with us safely from her home. Claire, good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, too. Absolutely. We're not too far. We'll actually be back in person. And uh, we also, that means... Uh, Robert Craig will be joining us in person, but not today. He's also safely at home, but with us. Robert Craig, our executive director here at Citizen Action. Good to have you, Robert. Greetings uh, to our digital and our radio audience. And um, we should recognize that earlier this week was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. So it reminds us of the hidden and covered up history of American racism. And we're coming up this week on the Tiananmen Square 30th anniversary. So we should really think about that in terms of the threat here to democracy and what folks there were and are willing to sacrifice for democracy. And with that, we are going to get rolling on this show this week. We have a ton of state topics and uh, we are going to dive right into talking about the worker shortage quote. And I put that in quotes, right? Uh, the great worker shortage of the summer of 2021. Uh, and I want to combine this with a conversation about unemployment insurance here in the state, um, because I see these as connected. And, um, you know, the, there's been a, a, a very clear effort by uh, legislative Republicans here in Wisconsin, but also nationally uh, working with business groups to start to gin up great, great drama and uh, worry and panic over the quote worker shortage. And um, these uh, tend to be in a lot of sort of, quite frankly, lower wage service sector industries where a lot of folks, but certainly across the board, there's seems to be a lot of folks from the chamber of commerce types complaining about this. And Republicans seem eager to respond across the board, both in not putting any money, no resources this week they announced to try to fix and update the UI system, which is huge. And it looks like they're, uh, along with their buddies at the Chamber of Commerce, cooking up strategies to make it more difficult for workers, uh, including Voss this week talking about penalizing those who miss interviews. Robert, this is um, this has been part of a clear Republican playbook, uh, and it definitely just demonstrates which side are they on? Who do they think? Who are the folks that are really behind them? Uh, and and by the way, those those corporate folks, they're, they're looking for their workers back. Robert? Well, I think it's all expressed in the idea we're in a new Gilded Age. In the Gilded Age, there was no social safety net. This is the period from the Civil War till the Progressive Era in the early 20th century. And it was thought necessary not to have one because we had to force people into sweatshops where in many manufacturing plants, there were 25% death rates. And in many industries, people's life expectancies were 40 years because they were poisoned uh, in their work. And this is still there. And this reveals something deeper, that they think they have a right, because they represent corporate interests, to pay people whatever to maximize profits, because profits have been extremely high, record for capitalism period in the last 40 years. It's just that the benefits haven't been going to workers. And yeah, if you have a more of a social safety net, then more people may um, opt out of the of $2 an hour 
tipped minimum wage to do backbreaking work within the regular schedule. Just to give one example, hospitality industry, and it's not the only one, or the gig work that is being offered. And quite frankly, if you don't offer them child care uh, or good senior care, uh, family care, basically, a lot of women are, are the ones, because we still have traditional gender roles, it's not completely liberated, who are taking on that burden and not reentering the workforce. And so these things fit together. You absolutely have to have a high road economy and a strong social safety net, as Western European countries have demonstrated. But their agenda, the Republican agenda, and some of the Democrats, the most, uh, most conservative Democrats, is to stand with business that the only thing that matters is getting a ready supply of cheap disposable labor. Uh, Claire? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think Robert laid it out really well. I don't know if I have too much to add, um, but I, I would say that, you know, once again, this is an example of uh, certain elected leaders, in this case, obviously Republican elected leaders, prioritizing um, keeping the uh, sort of economic machine that keeps them comfortable and in power over the um, the health and the well-being of the people of the state and um, creating these uh, these sort of artificial incentives to try to force people back into the into low paying jobs is is clearly just saying that you know we view low wage workers as um, disposable um, and we view them as just sort of fodder for for this machine and not really as as people who deserve to be able to um, earn a wage that that they're not struggling um, and that their family can can live safely and healthily upon. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well put, Claire. And think about it right now. You have Robin Voss here, our assembly speaker, wanting to punish people for missing interviews. It doesn't matter if they couldn't get childcare or it got canceled or it was a terrible job. They couldn't figure out how to make work, though they wanted to. At 25 states now, we're turning down the extra federal money for unemployment, which is shocking. It's just destructive. We're coming out of a depression-like conditions, hopefully coming out of, for working people. Kind of depends on Congress and whether the Senate can function in this country. And by and there's no economic doubt that turning down that much federal money harms your economy and costs you jobs. But 25 Republican governors are doing it. If we didn't have Governor Evers, we'd be doing it here. I think everyone knows that's true. And it's based on a lie. It's actually a racialized lie, but it's a racialized lie that's applied to white workers as well. So this is a good example of how white people are harmed by racism, that folks are lazy and they don't want to work in a country that works more hours than any other advanced industrial country by far. This is a country where the work ethic is extremely well embedded, but they play off that by pretending that there are all these lazy people who want to sit on the couch and not work. Believe you me, if they had access to good union jobs with benefits, they would not, they, they would not find, uh, and by the way, they're not sitting on the couch. They're caring for elders, caring for children, uh, it, it, uh, trying to get to keep to piece things together. It's a, it's a, it's a smear, but people go and vote for people who are smearing them on a daily basis, including Robin Voss and his illegitimate majority. That is gerrymandered majority in the state assembly. And look, this is, um, this fits in 
right? Um, it shows who they really care about, right? They're, they're, they're at a chamber of commerce spitballing these ideas like punishing people for, for missing interviews, right? As opposed to actually sitting down with mothers and families and, and you know, folks working and trying to figure out how to make ends meet coming out of a pandemic that is still very complicated for a lot of folks, but it fits in, right? There's turning down badger care. They're turning down things that we had Sean Pettiflace on, right? From uh, a small business and they uh, main street Alliance. And they, he was very clear about all of these kinds of supports that actually, if you really cared about growing business, you'd be investing in, right? And exactly the opposite is occurring here. But it shows out, we have talked about this. We've talked about the unemployment system and just how, how antiquated it is. Uh, and the idea that they refuse to put money towards this is, it's just, it, it, in many ways, it's mind boggling, but it fits in. This is all about political Turn power. down, Matt. Yeah. Turn down money. It's not even their money. Yeah. It's not even money they have to provide revenue for. Matt, turning down money offered by their own ta- their own taxpayers. Because where do you think federal money comes from? Yeah. No. It's just this is part of a pattern. And again, you know, it connects to elections. These folks have determined that this is where they're going to get reelected next year. And so this is important. This connects, you know, for all of our listeners in terms of why this next year election is going to be really important, why we need candidates and people running for office who are actually going to lean in and inspire folks on our side to get out because you can see the folks that they're lining up with, who they're trying to engage, who they're trying to excite. In fact, we're going to talk more on this podcast about exactly those folks that they're engaging. In fact, as soon as we get back from break, uh, Claire is going to lead us in a discussion about their obsession now, and it's their hypocritical obsession with the anti-vax movement. I mean, this week was crazy, right? And as soon as we get back from break, we're going to talk about how they're trying now to make it impossible for whether it be local governments or businesses to actually say, no, we we want to try to have proof that you're vaccinated or set up protocols. Um, but uh, just just fits in with who they think is going to be showing up next year. So again, folks, uh, 2022 is just around the corner. This is very political. But we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And you can also find us across the digital spectrum, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. With that, we got to take a break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We are talking about the Republicans and what is clearly, I mean, it's got to be a political strategy to align themselves with the anti-vaxxing movement. Claire, they, uh, pick, they picked it up this week. They are proposing legislation here in Wisconsin that would limit the ability of uh, folks to actually try and make your vaccination something that you would want to uh, see to maybe come into your business or go into a large event. Uh, I want your thoughts as our healthcare director about this. (laughs) Yeah. So this Republican uh, proposal would bar um, businesses and government officials from uh, 
requiring proof of vaccination to uh, use their services, enter their buildings, conduct commerce, um, but also um, but also likely to treat vaccinated and unvaccinated people um, sort of differently. Um, so um, that might mean, uh, right, like the way that you want people to, like if you're a restaurant, like vaccinated people can eat uh, inside, but not vaccinated people can eat outside, something like that, right? Um, or maybe if you're a business and you want some people to work from home and some people are allowed to work in the office, things like that, right? Um, so so this is, I have so many feelings. I had to start writing down my thoughts so that I could organize them and say them in a coherent way. Um, so the first place I'll start is that, um, that there are a few Republican legislators quotes um, that were printed in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel um, talking about this, um, basically, um, comparing the efforts by um, largely private industry to um, to make decisions on behalf of their own business and their own clientels, um, comparing those actions with the actions of authoritarian and totalitarian regimes, like. Um, for example, Mary Felskowski from the um, north central and um, northeastern part of the state, uh, like out of Merrill and Rhinelander, um, she compared she compared quote showing papers, uh, meaning I'm assuming she means vaccination cards, to um, what to the USSR Soviet regime in the Cold War. And Timothy Ramthin, who's from uh, an assembly person from Campbellsport, compared it to Germany in the 40s. It's gross. Nazi Germany. I mean, like, can we just take a moment to say that, like, these Republicans are comparing, like, a restaurant or a hospital saying, I want my employees to be vaccinated or I want proof of vaccination for you to eat inside to, like, Nazi Germans being like, I want to like, you know, Jews to wear stars or something, right? Like that level of like showing papers or something, right? Like it's, it's just, it's disgusting. It is a disgusting comparison. Um, and the second thing I would say on this point, and then we maybe we'll go to Robert and have a more thorough discussion is like the lack of self-awareness in comparing the like a totalitarian government to and their actions um and it was clearly like a huge abuse of government power and then comparing that with um what like i said was like a largely um sort of private industry um action like that false comparison is bad enough but then they themselves are the government people who are trying to impose their views on the private industry. Like they are the government exactly. in a situation that is overstepping, right? Like I, the lack of self-awareness to see that like they're on the wrong, that that analogy is wrong. And then furthermore, they're on the wrong side of that analogy makes me so mad. And then now, now I'll go to Robert and we can have like a further discussion about like why we should actually be able to <laughs> talk about if people are vaccinated or not vaccinated. Well, the modern conservative um, is not a libertarian. There is an authoritarian. And this is an example why they are all about uh, what we talked about in the first segment, forcing workers back to, to, to terrible jobs and cutting out the unemployment benefits in a pandemic. 
Uh, but then they're all about using state power. They're not really the advocates of limited state power when it comes to imposing their own moral agenda. And their moral agenda, it makes no sense, is, is that somehow it's the liberals that want to take the pandemic seriously and masks are some great impediment to freedom and so is immunization. I mean, my goodness, we've had required immunizations on the books for for 80 years for public schools with a strong consensus behind it. It shows how radical modern conservatism is, that they want to unseat all of that, and they don't care about the consequences, and there's no principle. Uh, businesses have absolute rights until they don't, until they run afoul of their agenda. And then there is, they feel very strongly uh, the progressive critique of them and, uh, and the wrongs in our society, and so it's always a kind of whataboutism. And then, of course, it's even a fake whataboutism. So they've decided, uh, you gave a couple examples of what they're calling vaccinations, as if anyone's actually being forced to be vaccinated if they can't go into a, an individual restaurant and everyone else is being forced to be exposed to this person, the workers, the other customers. That's OK with them, with the heavy arm of the state, the government. And so it, it but they're also comparing it nationally, some of the national lower lights of the Republican Party to Jim Crow as if it's anything like what people suffered during Jim Crow. And so, but they will do that. And in fact, the Trump, we ought to remember as, as progressives that the Trump uh, recipe book, playbook, was to do that, have us respond and attack them, and that actually helps them with their base. So it's a very P.T. Barnum-like theory of communication where all controversy helps me because P.T. Barnum famously created negative controversy and positive about his show to, to increase interest, his greatest show on earth. And so that is what this is. This is the greatest right-wing authoritarian show on earth is the current show is vaccinations. We have to defeat them, but in a way, the more hyperbolic we are, the more we feed into their desire to keep their base revved up at a rabid pitch so that we'll turn out in droves for the Robin Vosses and the Donald Trumps and, uh, you know, the, uh, all the rest, the Josh Hollies, the Ron Johnsons of the world. Look, go, Claire. Yeah, I was going to say, I to your point, and I, you, brought a couple, you brought up a couple points, actually, that I wanted to reiterate. Um, and, and I will do so in a calm and measured way um, in response to your point about <laughs> not trying to be hyperbolic. Um, so you said two things uh, that I agree with, which is one, um, the rhetoric here is all about supposedly protecting somebody's rights and not being intrusive on their personal medical decisions, which, you know, as a woman in Wisconsin uh, who has seen uh, reproductive um, health rights sort of eroded over the last, um, over a decade, I find laughable that they're saying, oh, like, let's not pry into people's personal medical decisions. Um, but here I go being hyperbolic again, recentering. Um, but to, um, but I, but I like your point and I appreciate your point about saying um, like this is not just about the quote unquote rights of uh, people who choose to not be vaccinated. This is about the rights of the public as a whole um, and to not have the entire community's um, health be threatened because um, a few people are making 
look, a very small number of people I understand cannot get the vaccination, fine. But but largely people who are um, unvaccinated choosing to be so um, without met, like sound medical uh, reason for it and um, then potentially uh, putting the health of other people in the community, especially vulnerable people um, at risk. And um, I, I always think it's important to recenter on this idea that um, like, People's people's rights um, uh, extend um, far, like far enough. I'm not making this point super well, Robert. You might have to jump in and help me, but not so far that they that they can infringe upon the rights of of other people in a serious, life threatening way. Yeah, standard used to be accepted by conservatives is your rights extend to the point where they infringe on others, which is why you couldn't do things on your land. This is this goes back to property law that damaged the land of someone else, but you could do on your land what didn't, right? And of course, once we understood water tables and things, you pollute your water, goes downstream and it harms other people. Of course, corporate America has been focused on undermining that. That's the beginning of this, the whole corporate lie that they should be able to do whatever they want for profit and not worry about the, the repercussions, so what used to be called externalities by economists, and still is. But I was going to say, it's, they've got to a frenzy that when I, I'm fully vaccinated by going to a grocery store that doesn't have um, a mask requirement, I wear it out of courtesy to people with, a low, with, with immune deficiencies. And people are, are coming up to me already and telling me, you don't need to wear a mask anymore, you know, like it's a threat that you would wear a mask to them because that makes them feel shame that they don't give a damn about what about their impact on other people, which seems to be the new conservative mantra. Do what you want. It doesn't matter as long as it as long as it feels good to you. Look, folks, the anti-vaccination stuff, again, is uh, it's extraordinarily dangerous. So, Claire, I, you know, I share your desire for <laughs> Uh, wanting to be hyperbolic about it because it's appalling. and But it demonstrates again, folks, right? They're going after a very niche audience that they want to get out next cycle. It's why we need candidates that are equally up to the task to exciting people to get folks out next year. Uh, but with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are citizen action and we hold what might be under the new, if the Republicans had their way, illegal parties that require you to demonstrate that you're inoculated and that you've been vaccinated. And I want to do a shout out to our uh, partners at the Minocqua Brewing Company and uh, all the folks who uh, showed up in Custer this past weekend for inoculation emancipation party. Hugely successful, very excited about it. Thanks to everyone who attended. Uh, a lot of the, the proceeds are uh, going to support Citizen Action in our work. Uh, but we're going to have another one of those with Monaco Brewing. Um, and we're very excited about that. Uh, and we hope our listeners will be interested in attending. And again, to attend these events, you do have to show that you're vaccinated. Uh, and if you do, you can come on in and there'll be music and a good time. And then the next one's going to be Saturday, June 12th in Fitchburg at Funk's Pub. So folks, we'll have more about this on our website. But uh, if you're vaccinated, come on out and uh, spend some time with your fellow vaccinated uh, progressives. But with that, I want to talk a little bit about some other 
shall we say, shenanigans. Uh, it's worse than shenanigans. It's it's part of this um, you know authoritarian streak within uh, the Republican Party that we're seeing as a national trend uh, that uh, Wisconsin is not wanting apparently to uh, miss out on, and that is this effort. Um, to really go after our election rights and uh, really try to seed the big lie, right? The big lie that somehow last year's election was stolen and uh, use that as a way to go after and impose uh, things that will restrict people's access to voting. Robert, this is, um, you know, it's gotten a lot of attention in Georgia, Texas, some other states, Arizona, but the truth is, uh, we're moving some uh, some some stuff that's uh, nas- national in its uh, scope in terms of its negative impact. Uh, some deets on this, and uh, let's have a conversation about why this is, of course, such a problem. Yeah, the problem with the conspiracy theories of the right, and one is that Trump uh, was elected and it was stolen from him, and the current one circulating is who will be reinstated in August as nuts as that sounds to everyone else. But the problem with their conspiracy theories is it can make it harder to talk about actual conspiracies. There's a conspiracy against democracy. And the Arizona folks are talking about it being spread, what they're doing in Arizona, which they've handed over the ballots to some bizarre uh, company that, that, that is a, you know, big lie believer called the, um, uh, cyber ninjas that has no c- c- credibility whatsoever, and they've already corrupted the voting machines and the ballots and just handed them over. But Pennsylvania is looking at doing it. They're talking about it coming to Michigan, Georgia, and Wisconsin. And so this is all we're doing our little mini version of Arizona. Apparently, Pennsylvania is interested in taking up something bigger along the Arizona lines. And they would be doing that here if they didn't have Governor Evers as the backstop. But you have, first of all, you had all these lies about how getting external money to help fund elections from nonprofits, which a number of of cities and counties had to do in municipalities in Wisconsin because we underfund elections. Why not fully fund the voting system? It's not that expensive unless you don't want people to vote. That's why. Answer my own question, rhetorical question. Uh, But furthermore, they had these big lies that there was big problems in Green Bay. There was these a uh, lawyer who filed lawsuits that were thrown out at a federal court is privileged, two of them. And then he was the main testifier in closed hearing by uh, Representative Brandigan, the chair of the Assembly uh, Elections Committee, who is a big lie believer. And now Robin Voss has hired three former police officers to investigate all the voting fraud. By the way, the Wisconsin Election Commission is, uh, is saying that it's minuscule and did yesterday and wouldn't have affected any election. And furthermore, a lot of it is a stupid Jim Crow rule that after you're out of jail, you still can't vote until you're off papers, which has no basis. And it's an example of the new Jim Crow. That is the way you don't have your rights if you've been in the, in, involved in the penal system, right, which is the big flaw in the uh, post-Reconstruction constitutional amendments that allowed that loophole. And so apparently uh, the lead retired police officer is a big lie believer who has tried to pitch big lies in the past in previous elections about it being stolen and some there being some massive amount of voter fraud. But the problem is, and this is what happens in other countries, authoritarian countries, once you delegitimize democracy and convince 
a huge percentage of the country because 51% of Republicans nationally think that Biden was not legitimately elected. Uh, they believe it and, and it discredits democracy altogether. And it's hard to have a democracy when over half the country or nearly, if you, I guess, less if you include independents and Democrats as the majority, when a, a good portion of the country, over 40 percent, doesn't believe in legitimate elections, no matter what facts are put before them, because they've been lied to repeatedly by the people they listen to on their side of the partisan aisle. Claire, do you have anything you want to add? I think Robert laid out the framework for this conversation really well. Um, I think the last thing I want to leave uh, with on this uh, on this conversation, if we're talking about Wisconsin, the Wisconsin numbers, um, which is that the Election Commission's report found, I think, a dozen, according to the Wisconsin Examiner, um, as, as few as a dozen um, potential instances of voter fraud that are likely to decrease that like are potential potential instances that are very likely to decrease um, uh, as by as much as as a half to three quarters um, after they are investigated, and that in the general election last year, um, only one that occurred in a county that went for Joe Biden, right? And so this idea that there are just like rampant um, sort of Democrats trying to, you know, vote multiple times or encourage um, felons who are still on papers to vote in order to sway local elections or something like that is, is just disingenuous, um, clearly motivated by self-interest, and uh, we can't uh, we can't let folks get away with spreading um, this this false information. We gotta it, we gotta make sure we know what the truth is. Yeah, it, it's the reality is they have zero facts on their side. The only fact that they really present that you could argue is of any merit is the idea that there's a lot of people who actually believe that the election was stolen. And that's a problem. It is a problem. The problem, though, is that they're spreading this, right? And the reason that there's people who believe this, right, like, which is incredibly dangerous, that's the only fact that they actually present. They have no facts of any real that the election was stolen, right? And again, we're talking about this because it's going into 2022. It's the same thing as that topic we talked about before. You know, down inside, there's a majority of people who believe Biden was properly elected. You know what? It doesn't matter if there are really important chunks of people out there who don't regularly vote, who believe very strongly that the election was stolen. And these guys are going to try to gin it up so those folks get out. This, that's what this is about, right? Because they know they're not getting anywhere, at least in this state, as long as Evers is the governor. But again, it gets back to what Robert talks about. It is completely, it's deliberate, it debilitating to democracy to be involved in these constant conversations around this issue. Robert, you get the last word on this? To extend the conspiracy to the end, it really does look like they want to be able to invalidate the 2024 elect presidential election if they can. And winning the governor's race is part of that in Wisconsin, because we're one of the few battleground states that determine election because of the outmoded electoral college and the overrepresentation of small states uh, with, with white populations across the country. And states can name the electors. They just have to change the laws. 
So the only reason that couldn't happen in Wisconsin in, in 2020 was because they didn't have time to change the laws and a governor would have vetoed it if they had a Democratic governor. And they can set it up so and they're setting it up in other states so that the legislature has authority. So it doesn't matter if their secretaries of state or their local election commissions uh, find a certain result. They take over Georgia and Arizona are both doing and Texas are pushing for this. Texas, the new the scandalous Texas bill has this as well, even worse than Georgia. And so the legislatures can intervene and just throw elections to the, the candidate of their choice. That's how big the threat to democracy is. And it's, it all comes down to whether we'll take on the filibuster or not, because we still have two Democratic U.S. senators that don't get it. And with that, when we come back, Claire, we're going to talk about the filibuster. Briefly, it'll be our, it'll be our short little uh, federal discussion, because ap- it's absolutely correct. The filibuster is going to be central in all of this stuff. It's super and critical. What is it? HR one, I believe, or the, the super critical uh, to be able to push back against this stuff. Uh, but we're going to take a break. Again, we want to remind you all uh, we're going to have another one of our inoculation parties, June 12th, Fitchburg folks. It's going to be all afternoon. We'll have details on our website and on our, uh, uh, the, the podcast uh, web web section. Please get out and attend. We look forward to seeing you. With that, we got to take a break. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back. Claire, before we went to a break, I was previewing a discussion of the filibuster because we talked about it on the show a lot. It's going to be central if the Democrats don't move a filibuster on some key things, right? Like major portions of Biden agenda is not going to happen. And most importantly, we have talked about the election issues. If they don't move that the democracy bills, we're toast or we're in deep trouble. Claire, I know you had some information, particularly Tammy Baldwin, I believe, had some uh, thoughts about the filibuster this week. Yeah, on the day um, this past week, on the on the 29th, um, when in uh, the U.S. Senate, a minority block of Republican U.S. senators um, blocked the uh, the creation of a commission that would investigate the insurrection and the attack on the United States Capitol that happened on January 6th. Uh, Tammy Baldwin put out this uh, statement on Twitter and she said, um, I was one of 54 senators that voted for a January 6th commission, but 35 Republicans used the filibuster to obstruct, cover up the truth and protect Trump. We need to reform or end the filibuster. Our democracy and getting things done matters and matters more. And I think that sums up pretty, pretty well what a lot of our feelings are about uh, ending the filibuster, right? And I think, uh, you know, there's, there's pretty much just two reasons why people are attracted to the filibuster. And um, one of them is, as people don't, fundamentally understand what it is. They think it's this Mr. Smith goes to Washington, um, you know, old grand tradition of somebody standing on their feet and not talk and talking and talking, talking to keep something bad from happening. But really it, it's this rule. It's not an actual filibuster. It's a rule that, um, that obstructs the uh, majority 
will of the uh, Senate from getting things done. Um, and number two, I think, you know, sometimes we, we have this idea or elected officials have this idea that like the people want, um, you know, everything to be beautiful and bipartisan and everybody should work hand in hand to get stuff done. But uh, number one, that's just not our reality um, as, as clearly demonstrated um, by what happened on the 29th and the blocking of the, Commission to investigate the attack on the Capitol, um, but to, I think I think people Wisconsinites and I can't speak for us the country, but I think we we want things to get done, and we're coming out of a global pandemic. We're still in a global pandemic, but you know we're we're starting to you know see the light on the other side of the pandemic, and and people really suffered this past year. They they want things right, like we want reforms, we want healthcare reforms, we want. Um, your stimulus checks, right? <laughs> um, right. People, people want shots in arms, checks in pockets. They want their rights to be shored up. Um, and I think, I think the American people are in a transactional mode of, of, of mind right now. And um, it's impossible to get things done, like Tammy Baldwin said, um, if we grant so much power to this small, small number of um, U.S. senators whose um, only goal is to be obstructionist. Um, so, so kudos from us to Tammy Baldwin for putting out this quote. Um, I am happy that she is backing filibuster reform. So, you know, Kirsten Cinema, after Joe Biden called out both Cinema and Mansion at his speech, which was an historic speech for a president to go to Tulsa and recognize the hundredth anniversary of the massacre. Uh, of a, of a whole black neighborhood, a prosperous black neighborhood. Uh, he called out those two U.S. senators who are Democrats, which is very unusual for Joe Biden. And Kirsten Cinema was with a Republican, the second-ranking Republican, John Cornyn, digging in on the filibuster yesterday and said she was for it, uh, yesterday being Wednesday, because she believed in democracy. It is a, she seems to believe this. And it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the filibuster is, okay? The filibuster is not a part of the original Constitution. The framers of the Constitution that the right, when it's convenient, likes to deify as some sort of uh, godlike figures that created our charter of government rather than just infallible fallible humans, believed in majority rule in the Senate and in the, uh, in the House of Representatives. And John James Madison, the lead framer, of the Constitution was adamant until the end of his life about that in the night in the 1830s and shot down the person who first really began to invent the filibuster, John C. Calhoun, the great South Carolina defender of slavery and a villain in American history. And it was, frankly, it should have been removed. It was almost removed entirely multiple times. It actually wasn't powerful in the 19th century or the early 20th century, but Rule 22, which governs the current filibuster, was not an enabling of the filibuster. It was a limitation on the filibuster, which Jim Crow senators, led by Richard B. Russell, got around over the decades. It was actually done because fighting Bob LaFalle and progressive senators blocked the arming of ships by the Wilson administration during World War I when German U-boats were taking down a lot of American uh, commercial ships. And so they, they moved Rule 22 to end filibusters. Uh, it was then, and there's a whole lot of twists and turns in this debate, it was made something, and it was earlier after Reconstruction, 
that was only used in one respect from Reconstruction. So the, uh, it ends in 1877. Until the 1964 Voting Rights and Civil Rights Act, the only bills that were taken out by filibuster were civil rights bills. It was not standard procedure that you needed a supermajority to pass legislation. It just wasn't unless it was civil rights because it was being pushed by the Jim Crow senators from the, from the solid South. And so what's happened is it's been supercharged and really the current filibuster where they can just send an email saying it's over, not even be on the floor, not even debate. This is a modern phenomenon, mostly created by Mitch McConnell, and it is designed to give 30, 35 percent of the public, the Republican right, their base, a veto overall legislation, which makes the Senate unworkable and our democracy unworkable, which is a good way to undermine democracy. Right. If you if you make it so the Senate can't pass legislation if a small, if a minority opposes it now and all legislation and it even shocked Joe Manchin, we'll see what he'll do about it, that they, uh, they did a filibuster for the bipartisan commission on the January 6th insurrection. And he's appalled and shocked. Hopefully he learned his lesson. It's not clear Christian Kirsten cinema did, but since we have a 50, 50 majority, two senators, even they live in a gone with the wind theory of, what the filibuster is, and I use that analogy because the idea of this wonderful, decorous Antebellum South with happy slaves was a big lie, a big lie of previous generations to, to support Jim Crow. This big lie that the filibuster is anything other than a way for a small minority and the most powerful billionaires in our country to prevent anything they oppose, no matter how popular, is, is just a fiction and absurd, but we got to deal with what those two believe and the pressure needs to be ramped up and soon or the next election will be stolen by state legislatures and Republican governors, period. Well, first on cinema's thing about democracy, the Senate in many ways is one of the more undemocratic structures to begin with in terms of how it, you know, benefits land and certainly hurts populous areas. And then you throw on the filibuster and, and, and the way it's being used, it's got to be one of the most undemocratic things possible. So her calling it protecting democracy is unbelievable. And the specific bill that we're all referencing and that Senator Baldwin is referencing, it is worth noting how many Republicans didn't even show up. Like, like I think it was nine. Like, cowards, total cowards wouldn't even like stand up and, and, and vote and, and be, be, be against it. It's just, look, um, I've said this throughout the whole show about the 2022 election. And I think Kristen Cinemas may be someone who's going to find out about this, right? She is someone who's going in to an off-year election she got elected with a lot of support from the Latinx community and the progressive community in a very, very, very tight state. She's, she and, and the Democratic Party in Arizona has chosen this pathway. I think it puts them at great risk in an off-year election for all the things we just talked about, what's happening on the other side, how their base is going to be motivated. And I can tell you, <laughs> you know, if she goes along this path, th that base will not show up for her, no matter how hard the leaders and folks in the communities who get that it matters work to try to help. 
these are this this is one of those areas. So hopefully we'll see. Hopefully, Robert, you're right. Hopefully, her and Mansion and others will maybe start to see that that this is really really bad for them uh, with the base and with people that they absolutely need uh, to win in an off year election. I don't. I mean, uh, beyond just the policy. So here's the thing, Matt. Right. Um, first of all, she should be primaried if she doesn't come around, because the Republicans would primary anyone who was this detrimental to their governing philosophy. Really. And we need to grow up as a party that way. But the second thing, frankly, is people don't just get demoralized and just go to Facebook and scream and yell. This is like we have we haven't had the fall of Democrat government yet. So imagine you can still stop one of the great tragedies in world history. We have the power to stop it, but it's our agency. So we got to look at what we can do to ramp up the pressure right now because we have not lost yet. We are far better shaped than those brave protesters at Tiananmen Square or those brave African-Americans in Tulsa that stood up for their rights. And uh, because we're not risking death yet, though, quite frankly, if things keep being out of control and we end up with an authoritarian country, then we may have to. But now the risks are lower. We need to be practical and effective and unified. With that, we have run out of time, folks. We got to wrap up this battleground, Wisconsin. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who's making this podcast happen this week, and he makes it happen every week, of which folks should understand we are almost at 400 episodes of this show. So thank you, Brian Wildridge, for being behind all of that. But with that, we got to wrap up this show. We'll see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin.